Welcome back to Making Ends Meet, the podcast where we talk all things parenting. I'm your host, Samantha, and today we are jumping right back into that second half of my conversation with TJ Rumler about generational trauma. So if you have not gone and watched part one of this conversation, I really recommend that you do that now because it's going to make this second conversation make a lot more sense. Just a reminder that conversations around generational trauma can be really triggering. We talk a lot about things like poverty, abuse. It can it can bring up some really heavy things for people. So just a trigger warning and an invitation to know that if you're not in a place in your life or in a place today to hear this, this might not be the episode for you. With that being said, let's get into it. So as a reminder, we left off talking about what it is like to be kind of that first person in your family to start to really unravel generational curses and generational traumas. And TJ spoke really beautifully about just saluting the parents who are doing that or considering doing that for their own families and jumping into how do we have those conversations with our family members after we've decided that these generational traumas need to end with us? So without further ado, let's get into it. I got a question out of left field for you. Oftentimes when you're one of those parents who is shouldering that trauma for your children, you are still very much interacting with and in contact with the generations before you and around you who are still really dealing with all of that dysfunction. Very true. How do you have conversations and boundaries around that? Takes glasses off. <laughs> I know that's another. All of these, I feel like, could be individual podcast episodes. They could, and there's. You meant you said at some point in this conversation how I ultimately that choice is yours, and when it comes to this conversation around boundaries. Um, that is such a personal thing um, to find that. It's like finding this line between taking care of yourself and handling what you consider to be your responsibilities. And it's, it's a very personal thing to do. Uh, but I think you have, you have to navigate that road with people that you care about and that you trust. You can, I, don't, I don't feel like that you can do it alone. I, I truly feel like most, most trauma happens in relationships and therefore is probably healed in the context of relationships. So you mentioned that, you know, it's it's not always easy to unpack that china cabinet. Even if you're not going to a therapist, I would encourage you, that person, to, to find somebody that you trust, whether that be a family member, a friend, a community member, somebody that you can just talk to and that you know they're gonna let you be you, even if that's just a vent, maybe not to give advice, but just to be heard and to be seen. Um, and to be able to talk through specific situations because you might have to form a bound about different boundary with you know family member a than you do with family member b there's there's different levels to this stuff as we say um you know i've seen that there's there's people in my circle and i'm not going to just say family but as i've healed um i've had to cut certain people off just clean cut there's had certain people I've had to say, I'm, I'm not going to you know, interact with you in certain ways or certain places. 
um, but ultimately figuring out what's going to lead you towards your end goal, whatever that looks like. If it's healing, if it's you know a certain goal that you have for you and your family, whatever's going to lead you closer to that, then pull you away from it. I think it could be one of your you know north stars, your guiding lights. I don't feel like I answered that question at all. I think you did. You have to find relationships that you can lean on, yeah. especially if you if you feel like you don't have those in the support systems mm -hmm. that you have now. It's okay to set those boundaries. It's necessary. It's it's necessary. It's necessary for your healing and it's necessary for the health of your children. Correct. It is. And also you said you said it very differently, but I thought it was so profound in that there's just there is so much healing and authenticity. Mm -hmm. Can you be open and honest about the things that you've been through and the person that you are with those around you? And if you can't while still feeling good about yourself, I think that's a really big flag that you need to look at. Right. That's one thing yeah. that I've learned a lot too of like if I cannot be authentic with you, I am not safe with you. Period. We're dropping, we're dropping some truth today. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, I know that's not where we're going with this podcast. You can edit this out. <laughs> but it's it's why I, it's so important for us as, as educators to create spaces where all of our kids and all their parents can come in and be their full authentic selves. Um, not just because it's the right thing to do, but also it's, it's the only way we're going to create a space where we can have equitable learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. Because you have to, when you walk into the doors of the school... If you don't feel safe as a parent, you're not going to be open mm -hmm. to growing or learning either. Mm -hmm. And this literally the point of the building is to grow and to learn. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. No, I hear that. So at the risk of getting a little too technical or overwhelming people with too much information, um, I did want to have a conversation about epigenetics, which okay. is – Another big scary word. Huge. I'm gonna give you a second to just give like kind of a layman's terms. What in the world does that mean? And I'll do the best I can. And, and just, you know, I'm a licensed therapist, but I'm not a doctor, I'm not a geneticist. But epigenetics uh, is something that also fascinates me. And to kind of divide between generational trauma and epigenetics, generational trauma is more of like learned behavior, some of the the things that we can just pick up from being around our families. Epigenetics is this new, kind of new idea in the field of science and genetics that like biologically, the effects or the genetic markers of trauma can be passed down throughout generations. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of literature and research out there says that, you know, maybe even like three generations or more. Um, the first time I remember hearing the phrase epigenetics it was the work of and I believe it was Rachel Yehuda I hope I'm pronouncing that right but she studied uh, Holocaust survivors and specifically Holocaust survivors who had developed symptoms of PTSD which we can imagine is probably most of them but they looked at the Holocaust survivors who had PTSD and then their children and they studied specifically their DNA and how like anxiety and depression were coded in their DNA and found that it was very similar between the actual survivors of the Holocaust and their offspring. Um, there's another example that we use a lot of, um, in this training that we do um, called ACEs. 
I think we're going to talk about that, uh, where there were mice that were studied in a, you're nodding your head. Yes, I've heard of it. I was going to talk about it, actually. <laughs> you want to talk about that one? No, you go for it. You're on a roll. So there were, there were mice that were studied um, in a lab, and the researchers um, gave them like a smell of something that was like a cherry blossom and did things to them that made that not a pleasant experience. They shocked them, I think didn't it was they? Docking, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, so they, the, the mice then uh, get, had offspring, and the, they, the short story is the, the babies of the mice ended up having the same like startle reaction um, uh, for that same smell, even though they had never seen, like smelled the cherry blossom before. So they had they, never been shocked. Or never been shocked before, right. So mm -hmm. they had had, yeah, even more importantly, so they had never had that negative experience, yet they still had the same reaction. Um, so that was passed down biologically. And it's just uh, fascinating. You're starting to see more and more of studies come out around this. So, you know, I'm still learning when it comes to epigenetics as, as we all are, but it's, it's incredibly fascinating. Incredibly fascinating. And it also makes so much sense. It does. If we're cavemen and yeah. your parents or your grandparents get eaten by a tiger. Right. You still want to be afraid of tigers. Correct. Because that is a stressor in your environment. Correct. And so it makes so much sense that our bodies would respond like that. But then we get into this spot where that is no longer a threat. I, I'm not getting eaten by a tiger anytime soon, I'm pretty sure. And then we get all of these problems, which feels like kind of the underlying whole idea of what trauma is in a it lot is. of ways. Ultimately, it's protective. Mm -hmm. You know, it's our, our bodies are, and our brains are really smart, and its main job is to keep us alive. And so it's, it's good, in a way, that this stuff happens because it, our bodies are learning, okay, this bad thing happened, or this bad thing happened to my mom and her mom. So we want to make sure we're looking for that as much as we can so it doesn't happen to us. Mm -hmm. um, and then the problem is just when it's, it's reacting to something that may seem like that. A paper tiger, as we would call it. Yeah. This is maybe a slight, a slight um, subject change, but it feels pertinent to this conversation. Okay. Um, prior to working in child protection, I actually worked um, in a shelter for women who had been sex trafficked. So I, throughout my career, have worked in just some really, like, trauma-heavy positions, mm -hmm. right? And I remember I led a healthy relationships group with these women, and we were talking about coping strategies and, like, positive versus negative coping strategies. And, like, a lot of these women were talking about how they had all of these negative strategies that they had used when they were being trafficked. And it was things like doing drugs so that they didn't have to, like, feel emotionally what was happening or dissociating or getting really aggressive with people or stealing to get what they needed or whatever it was and we just had this really beautiful conversation of like well are those negative coping strategies or are they the coping strategies that you needed to get through that point in time are they negative or are they the coping strategies that no longer work for the environment that you're in now because now you are safe and I think it's the same with trauma yes. responses. Yes. Because if you have trauma responses from being in an abusive relationship, as long as you are in that abusive relationship, they're not trauma responses. They are just responses that are keeping you safe and alive. Correct. They become trauma responses when you are no longer in a situation where you need to use them. That's it. That's the podcast. That's it. <laughs> 
if you need to hear one thing, it's that. No, I'm getting like, it I is. can feel my it face is. getting red because I'm so like heated about this. <sighs> okay, I have to calm down. So I feel like we've, we've filled people with all of this conversation around like what trauma is and how it comes out. So let's get to the real meat and potatoes of how do we build resilience in our children? When I, when I talk about resilience, it, it, my, my number one thing is I wish I had like a big slideshow I could go over with everybody. But if you can picture like, this is a simplified version of a very complicated conversation like we've been talking about for 40 minutes, but like a seesaw or like a, you know, a scale, if you will, whatever side you put more weight on is going to kind of go to the ground. And we want to think about every kid to, to build resilience actually needs some stressful you know, situations and experiences but we want to make sure that we far outweigh them with positive experiences. And a lot of the kids that, that we work with um, have had a, a lot, lot higher number of negative experiences or stressful experiences or traumatic experiences, things like that. And so instead of becoming resilient, they can actually become vulnerable. So it's hard for them to, to live or to thrive. So, you know, I've taken the stance in my career is I, I, at one side, I want to make sure that we continue to advocate against policies and systems and legislation that are oppressive to the people we serve. Um, that's slow change. So I've just realized that we're all going to have some sort of stress in our life. Uh, but then also try to work to, as a community and as individuals and providers to make sure that we can increase the number of positive experiences that are happening in our kids' lives. So number one, and Sam mentioned this earlier, is safety. Um, both making sure that the, for the most we can that they are living and, and existing and thriving in physical and psychologically safe spaces. Um, so that can look like, you know, actual just the buildings that they come to school in or, or the cars that they're able, the transportation that they're able to use. And I'm talking to you, Greenville City and Greenville County, um, when we talk about, you know, public transit doing a better job with that. Um, you know, up and down Whitehorse Road where I grew up, you know, is it safe to cross the road? Things like that. Um, but then also like relationships with their peers in school. Are we doing enough to make in, making sure that they're having safe interactions? And I'm not just putting the responsibility on this uh, of this on schools because we also know there's a lot of like cyberbullying and stuff like that that's happened. So we can continue to unpack that concept of safety. Um, another one is making sure that we understand just the way typical child development happens. And I think that's what I love about how, you know, you all as, as school educators are working with, like, honestly, a podcast like this, when we talk about just child development and, and how kids, like, just normally their bodies change and how they react to things. I think this is a gift that you are giving your community um, for just that knowledge piece. I, I truly do. When you look, um, y'all, we use a, a model a lot of times called the um, – the six protective factors and you know it's evidence-based and one of those is just honestly things like this podcast so i want to commend you for having the initiative to do this no, um, I appreciate for sure um, concrete resources do our kids have what they need um, just on a general basis i remember saying you know i remember one time when i was working in attendance in greenville county i don't remember why i was using this question it's very like solutions based therapy kind of thing but i was like if you had a, a magic wand and you could wish for anything what would you wish for? Fifth grade, young, young girl, I'm not going to name the school, but she said, can I have two wishes? And I was like, yeah. And I challenge you, like, if you, rem if you could remember when you were in fifth grade, if you had a wish, what would you wish for? And she, she said, I would like to have a house for me and my mommy to live in. 
and um, a backpack full of food so she wouldn't have to work as much to, to get us food. Um, I'm still, mine was probably 10 years ago, and it still gets me emotional because I'm like, you know, I know I wouldn't have wished for that when I was in fifth. I'd probably wish for a Nintendo or something. I don't know, Game Boy. I don't know, you know, something fun. So just making sure our kids and our families in our community have basic needs met um, because if we don't have those things met, we can't think about learning. We just, you can't. Like if you got a kid sitting in, in the classroom all day wondering, am I going to have a place to go home and sleep or – Am I going to have a meal today? Like, you know, it's a hard sell, on, you know, on learning the, this book that mm-hmm. we're trying to teach them. My thing that I tell kids all the time when they're, having, when they're having bad days and teachers and myself and everybody who will listen is that you can survive or you can thrive, but you can't do both. Oof. That's good. Some days we survive and some days we thrive. And then, like I said enough, and then when kids are having a rough, ta- rough time, I go, is it a thrive day or a survive day? And it's just a really good way to check in with yourself on, mm-hmm. like, what do my priorities need to be for this moment and this day? I love that. There's, there's a bunch of them we can talk about, but one I, I don't want to forget because it kind of provides a balance to me is also having high expectations. Um, one, one, something that I have seen in a lot of the families that I work with, and this is cross, you know, from white families that I work with, black families, Hispanic families, if, if generationally you've been held back, Sometimes you can have fear of your kids trying to to strive mm-hmm. because you don't want them to see the disappointment. I'm getting emotional now that that you saw. Yeah. And we have to be able to speak life into them and and push them in a healthy way um, to reach out, to try, to do better than we did. While also, and if you could see me, y'all, I've got my right hand and my left hand balancing. While also giving them these resources that they need to actually make it happen. And it's a fine balance, but, but we have to believe that they can do it, that they are not limited by their circumstances and their, and their environments, and, and while we also support them in, in reaching for their dreams. So resilience, whenever I think of resilience, I do tie it pretty heavily to ACE scores. Okay. Um, and for listeners who are not aware, ACEs are adverse childhood experiences. It's a list of these 10 really common um, childhood traumas that you can go through. I I have my personal opinions on its efficacy. I don't think it always really encompasses things like generational poverty, uh, racism, certain kinds of abuse that aren't maybe factored in. But regardless, it's a pretty good resource to get an idea of, of where you were at in your childhood and where your child is at. Um, but it also pairs really nicely with something called a resiliency score. And I will post both of those tests in the descriptions if you would like to take them yourself. But resiliency factors would be things like people who care about you and people who believe in you and like community systems that support you. Can you give me some examples of what those could look like? Like, what can you look for for your child as, oh, I can point to that as a resiliency factor? One of the, one of the main ones that, that I believe, and I think this comes up in a lot of the research as well, is are there at least one, but hopefully more, um, competent and caring adults in their life that, that they can go to that aren't me? That, that believe in them and that are willing to stick by them. That's one of the reasons I, I believe so strong, so strongly in the power of 
community-based mentorship. Um, one of the programs that, that I'm working with right now through the Hispanic Alliance is called the Student Dreamers Alliance. And it's a youth leadership program where we work with kids from Berea and, and Carolina High School um, and also down in Charleston, and we take them through a year-long program. But we also have you know, now added a uh, mentorship piece. And we have already in the first year been able to see it's just that, you know, there's a term we use called social capital, but it, it really is a fancy way of saying it's who you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, just the fact that they know more people in their community now that can help open doors for them. Because um, sometimes things aren't mental illness. It's like, hey, I just need a shot. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not trauma. It's just I need a, a chance. Can I get an interview or, you know, something like that? So so that is one. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I mean and, and even like I need a ride. Yeah, a ride, yeah. I need yeah. help paying my phone bill this month, right? Just like community just a support system yep uh a plug for our mentorship program here if you have a kiddo who maybe needs one or more of those adults in their life we can pair them with mentors here it's someone who meets with them once a week they'll for our younger friends they'll read them stories and play games and for older kids it can be a really great way to just have an adult to open up to and have some of those harder conversations because I know this is going to hit home for some adults but sometimes your kid does not want to have those conversations with you as their parent so it's good to have other safe adults that they can go to it's true (laughs) it's very true it's very true. I, I, you know, we can't think that we can be all things for any one person. And, and TJ, TJ was laughing at me when I said that. So. <laughs> I was laughing with you. <laughs> with you. Um, another thing I look for is, um, like, what, are, what, are, what is this child involved in outside of, like, the classroom environment? Um, I, I think there's, there's enough research and experience out there that shows you that when children can participate in something, and you can fill in the blank here, but like, what well, it could be sports, it could be drama, it could be a program, like, you know, Neighborhood Focus, PMAC, Girl Up Greenville, some of these amazing programs in, in our area that come to mind. Um, Bel Air, I don't know, there's so many different programs around here, but just novelty, you know, our brain needs to experience new things to grow, and that's part, of, that's literally part of building resilience. So. You know, mixing up their routine and getting them involved in something, whether it's after school and or during the summer, things like that, that helps. I was actually, so I just got back um, last night from a two-day conference on alternatives to suspension and, like, restorative practices in school. It was very cool. But we had that very same conversation of one of the most important reasons why kids need to come to school is because they meet people who are in different circumstances than themselves. And they get exposed to new ideas and they get exposed to new opportunities and they get exposed to this this thought process of just widening your mindset on who you are and on who you can be. Mm-hmm. And I think that is resilience to its core. Absolutely. One thing that I think we've talked around but haven't outright said is that resilience takes away from the negative impacts of trauma. It doesn't just protect you from trauma, but it actually helps you to have the skills to heal after or during experiencing trauma. Next podcast episode, post-traumatic growth. Ooh. Will you come on for a second episode? (laughs) Sure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I get them back. I have to ask them on air so they can't say no. Okay. So 
it is just about time for us to wrap up. <laughs> it is past time for us to wrap up. Do you have any final thoughts before we close? Um, I do. I just want to validate. If you're a parent or, or whoever you are, if you're still listening to this, it tells me that you care an awful lot about your child, um, about their well-being, because there's not a lot of uh, parents and caregivers that would take, uh, take this amount of time out of their day or morning, where, wherever you're doing, you're maybe on your commute. Um, and you're, it tells me that also you probably think that you're screwing up a lot because some of the best parents I know give themselves the hardest time. And I just want to take a minute and validate you and say you're doing a great job. Um, although we mess up a lot, I know that you are doing everything you can to continue to give your child a better life. And just keep listening to this podcast, keep trying, um, and keep working on yourself. Well, thank you, TJ, so much for coming on to this podcast. This has turned into much lengthier of a recording session than you signed up for so i really really appreciate you and all of your wisdom that you're giving to our family thank you very much it's been an honor reminder that there is an anonymous google form you can click in the link to this or i'm sorry in the description to this episode you can go and ask specific questions ask about topics you want covered anything under the sun really the more information you give me the more i'm able to make this podcast something that you would like a reminder to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any new episodes and with that we'll catch you next time on making ends meet